Hey friends, welcome back to the podcast with me, Jonathan Puddle, and with my friend Trifina Perumala-Gagnon. This is the B-side for episode 128 with Kevin Sweeney. If you've not listened to that, I'd recommend you go back and listen to that first, and then come right back here where Trifina and I unpack some of the ways that Kevin's words and thoughts and spirit impacted us. And here we are also unpacking uh, Trefina and I's first, first go co-hosting together. So this, this <laughs> I think Kevin was very kind and gracious. He was a great uh, guinea pig for us because he was so he, inclusive, like you said earlier. He really was so inclusive and he just like, he held his space and held space for both of us. I love that like off the bat, he was like, so Trefina, what do you think? And I'm like, oh, way to draw me out. Yeah. It was very, very sweet. Yes, I paid him to do. No, I didn't pay him to do that. Okay, so we we didn't. I, I threw this out there in the in the episode, but this really has stuck with me. Mm-hmm. Um, and in fact, I kind of preached about it a bit to, at church. This thing that he says earlier in in the book that you know, okay, you're mad about the thing that's in front of you. You're upset. Like in my case. I'm upset about the realities my foster daughter has been exposed to. Yeah. Upset. This is what I said to my church. I'm upset for the realities of what my foster daughter has been exposed to. I'm upset that I'm left to pick up the pieces. I'm mm-hmm. upset that it falls to me, which is the, me being very like selfishly authentic right here, right? Like in a, this is in a bad moment. Uh, I'm I'm upset at the inconveniences in my life, but what what Kevin said is is really the truth that you uncover the more you lean into the the mystic journey. You're not you're not as upset about those face value things as you are upset that you live in a universe with these kinds of rules. Yeah, it's like uh, the anger. And the sense of injustice that we face at the very real, tangible injustices in front of us can actually be elevated. And I think they need to be elevated individually. I think Mm -hmm. we're all, it's wise that we all go on this journey individually to elevate that injustice to actually the level of a cosmic uh, betrayal that, that we got injected into this world through yeah. no choice of our own that works like this hard pass god reality sucks it really does and yet it's also full of goodness mm-hmm. and life and somehow there's a savior who was also injected actually willingly into mm-hmm. this reality who has been redeeming and making all things new. Mm -hmm. But as long as I remain fixated on the surface level anger and source of my frustration and and injustice, um, I, I can stay there for a long time and I can do some good there, but, but there's this elevation and even elevation slash deepening. Mm-hmm. to say, actually, I'm more upset that I live in a universe that allows for pain like this. Mm-hmm. And if I'm honest about that, then I can do some deep work on yeah. me 
and sit and encounter God in the midst of that kind of honesty, like what gives, like what the actual F. And I, th- I, I like, I'm not an activist. So in that kind of, in that kind of justice context, I can't speak authoritatively, but I, but I listen to folks like Christina Cleveland and others who are saying to do this work sustainably, you have to also do your own deep work. Yeah. Um, and, in, and in my case, parenting sustainably and fostering sustainably and pastoring and just being a person who cares. It's been, it was a really, really helpful thing for me in the last two weeks. As I said at the beginning of the show, it grabbed me because I had been really struggling to be present. Mm-hmm. And again, I just thought I was so annoyed about the painful realities, but he hit me square between the eyes. No, actually, the reason that I'm really struggling to be present is that I don't want to live in this cosmos. Mm. And so when I read that and I was able to take a really deep breath or 10, go, okay, this is just pain. Yeah. I do live in this cosmos. And there's also beauty here. And I can find hope here. And I can only find hope here. I can't find hope in some future tripping alternate reality where I can mm-hmm. pretend all these things don't exist. I can only find it here in this one. So, okay. I'll lean back in to God in the present moment in however that looks, right? And for me, I've it's often uh in nature in the trees and I, I just look at the things around me and i'm like okay god is holding this table together this chair the atoms the the cotton of my denim you know <laughs> like god is all through me and around me and all of existence pulsates with his life that's also part of this cosmos mm-hmm. okay well i can i can lean into that so that was a, like that was my first big takeaway from his book, and I think that's only like in the second chapter, kind of once you're out of the prologue, um, and he's dropped these little hints about future mushroom tripping stories. But yeah, <laughs> like I was like, okay, this is a mystic. This guy, this guy actually has done the the time investment, mm-hmm. in silence and solitude, because you don't say those kinds of things about reality unless unless you've gone and got your ticket stamped. I like that way of looking at it. No, I, not, no, I completely agree. And I, I, I I think we've talked a little bit about this, about like the dark night of the soul, but there's something, there's a depth and a weight to which he seemed to walk in because he's walked through the dark nights of the soul. And I think in some ways, even as you're saying, like some of those dark nights of the soul play out on a daily basis when we're just like grappling with the reality of the universe and the place that we live in and something I found so profound even as he was talking around like his liberation theology and like which I just I find him so fascinating as like a a male who's white studying like black theology um he was very aware of his social location but because of that um he kind of understands the messiness of it, right? Like one of the things that we've been talking a lot about just at home and even with our churches, what does it look like to unpack our backpack? What does it look like to understand why we believe what we believe, why we react in the way we react? Why am I having a level 10 reaction to a level two thing? And so often it's because of our past traumas, our past beliefs. And I think 
I know it sounds like I'm going on a tangent, but I actually feel like they're so connected um, because they all speak to the brokenness of our reality that we're grappling with and then trying to live out because at the end of the day, we are still accountable for how we show up in the space that we are. Um, But yeah, I love like that language of the pain and the sorrow being about just the pain in the world that we're in. Yeah. Um, Because that is heavy. And I think just even on like a little level, I've had to mute so many of my news feeds right now with just the way the world looks around us because Mm -hmm. it is painful and it is really heavy. Or I look at like your foster daughter and like what she's had to walk through. Like when you spend too much time thinking about it, it gets really heavy. Not that you want to walk away from that. Cause I think that's where the transformation happens when you're actually able to, to really sit in the messiness of it. Yes. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I find the, the trap for me, uh, is, is always um, to, to, to help too much, right? Like the Enneagram 2, uh, I will heal you with my love. I will just love everybody so well, and I will wrap my arms around everybody so much that I can just solve all the problems. I can be your hero, baby. I can kiss away the pain. Um, no, I can't. Turns out. And that's another part of their harsh reality I don't like to to be honest about, that I can't solve the problems. And that, uh, oh, yeah, so he digs deeper into that realm. Ugh, gross, what a horrible book he's written. It's good. <laughs> I'm being sarcastic. Um, about this thing of, like, I don't want to admit that I can't solve all the problems because that would call into question my value and so he said the thing is never the thing and we kind of like we talk about you know there's a lot of different ways that we talk about that right like the thing is never the thing it's not really the fight that you're having with your spouse it's the the disconnect so he's like for you personally in terms of even your ego battle and and uh i love that you brought up the trauma just then because as you like the ego and trauma survival are are really tightly bound Mm -hmm. and as you lean into a contemplative practice and move uh, to a space where you can start to observe the ego Mm -hmm. and and uh hopefully pay compassionate attention to the wants and needs of the ego uh, that brings up all the pain that the ego carries and all the attempts the ego's been trying to keep you alive. Mm-hmm. And in there is this issue of value. And so it's like, I don't want to admit that I can't love people back to life. Mm-hmm. Because if I can't do that, then what is my value? Because I've put so much value in uh, subconsciously mm-hmm. into that thing. And so, you know, all of these things, we don't ask ourselves the question. We don't sit in silence and solitude because it's too provocative mm-hmm. like, to our own deep spaces. And man, I deal with this every single day as like a stay at home dad mm-hmm. slash uh, 
self-employed writer <laughs> slash whatever I am. Um, every single day, I have to give myself permission to not just bust my balls in busyness from dawn to dusk. Like today, every single day, I have I sit on the couch and I go, Jonathan, part of what you do requires bandwidth. And sitting on this couch right now for five minutes and doing nothing is valuable. And you have value. And this does not call into question your intrinsic worth and value as a human being. And I mean, this is daily and sometimes hour by hour. And I imagine that some of my readers are like, whoa, you need to read this book called You Are Enough, because clearly that message has not sunk deep enough into your heart. What is these layers? I don't know. <laughs> Listen, I feel that in my bones. Like I feel so much imposter syndrome showing up in spaces like these are just even the same stay-at-home parent beginning to figure out what else I'm doing right now in this season um and feeling like it's not enough Mm. and if I'm up if I sit down for a moment I'm like I know my partner my friends like they're all hustling in different ways but you are right that it takes a different level of bandwidth I laugh though at you are enough because last week I was just done I'm like I can't get it all done. And I feel like I'm so busy, but I don't know what I'm doing. And I'm like, you know, falling apart. So I pulled out, you are enough. That was my like touchstone habit. I'm like, I need to go back and remember that I am enough as I am. But I, one of the things I found so beautiful about like this conversation and about his book was even the part where he quoted Rumi, Rumi um, about the dance that happens inside of you just for you right? Because I've been reflecting a little bit on like when Jesus talks about generosity and talks about, um, you know, not having, not worrying because he takes care of, takes care of the flowers in the field. Nobody sees the flowers in the field. Like if I'm hiking, I'm hiking on the path. I'm not hiking off the beaten path to the flowers that are there. And, but yet they are as valuable, even though no one witnesses their beauty. And Uh To me, that's like, even like listening to him talk, I was like, oh, so the things that are beautiful to me or bring me life, or I'm learning about God, or I smiled because I saw something funny today. Like it didn't, it may not be productive, but it's what I'm actually on this earth to do to Mm. like delight, but it's such a mind F where it goes against all of my conditioning. Yes. That my experience needs to be productive. Even when you talk about like as an Enneagram too, like needing to love people well, I think that's so beautiful. And you love people well, so like, so well, like using the word well too much here. Um, But I have like, I can only speak about myself in my own life because I'm also an Enneagram too. I end up in a place where I'm doing that because I'm doing it for God. So I'm going to hang out with you and I'm going to ask you all the questions and I'm going to like prophesy over you and speak life over your life because I'm a good Christian and that's what I'm supposed to do. And it's not like, sometimes it's coming from overflow and sometimes it's coming out of love. I mean, it's always coming from a area of love, but I definitely have to check 
myself because I can leave conversation and give myself a little check, check mark. Like, Oh, I like, I was Jesus hands and feet today. Um, and that it's, it's problematic where my worth is coming from that. Yeah. So I've heard, and this, 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 this infuriates me and I don't like it, but I heard someone recently say, you know, when you leave those experiences and you're tempted to give yourself that, that checkbox and you feel like you've just done something so alive and so on brand for you, for your soul, on brand. that's when you are deep in it, <laughs> in, the, in, in the ego and the shadow of your personality. Yeah. And if you feel that fulfillment and I'm like, no, F off. I want to feel like I'm doing fulfilling work, especially because I spent my whole life contorting myself to other people's definitions of it. Yes. So yeah, okay, there's there's layers of that. Yeah. So yeah, two things. Uh Henry Nowen mm-hmm. says when we offer cure without care, it's dehumanizing. Yeah. So that's a thing. And then relating somewhat to that and coming back to the flowers dang, I'm going to sit with this because it's like you just said, essentially in my head, this is what my head heard you say. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like a, if the tree falls in the forest and no one's there to hear it, does it make a sound, right? If a, if a yeah. flower shines in a field and no one's there to gaze on its beauty, is it actually beautiful? Yeah, we would say, of course it is. Like Absolutely. if your soul sitting there on the couch contemplates the mysteries and no one's there to appreciate that, has it still worshiped God? Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Thomas Merton, coming back to Merton. <laughs> uh, I forget the exact words. I would run upstairs and grab it, but that's way too nerdy. Basically, <laughs> is like all a tree has to do to give full glory to its creator and be everything it was ever made to be is just bloody stand there in a field and be yeah. a tree. Oh. Like that's it. Oh, it's I a tree. Yeah. And, and standing there being a tree is everything. And and so we carry the Imago Day and just breathing and being alive is a chorus of praise mm-hmm. in a dark world. If you could remind me of these words, um, you know, even in two hours from now would be great. (laughs) I'll text you. By the way, Jonathan, no, it's, it's such a struggle for me to practically live that out. Like I I was, I felt like last week I was journaling this out and literally it was, it was around the same concept of just the more that I embrace the Imago Dei on me, like the more that I am like myself and all of my trifina glory the more i'm actually like christ mm-hmm. and for and and that like that flips everything that i have thought for so long on its head and i struggle with that because trifina's messy and she's loud and she's too much or like these are all like things that all like you know carry into my spaces and I don't even know where I'm going with this. <laughs> just like, oh, now that I'm sitting with it, it just feels really intense. Um, it just feels heavy. 
And then even like we were just talking about unpacking everything behind it and how this is the universe. So then I look at, so why am I struggling with this? Why am I specifically as like an Indian Canadian woman, like why is productivity so important? It's like a first generation immigrant um, in a nation that was colonized. And so our worth came from works and then the way that evangelicalism got played out there. Um, anyways, there's so many things there, but it's like, I think that's where I get stuck too. Cause I'm like, if I really start unpacking this, there is no, yeah, there's no stopping it. No. And at the bottom of the stack is, do you have worth? Yeah. Is there any worth left for you? But the answer is yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh. I, I feel like it was at the end of the book where he talked about how nothing is in, um, nothing i'm gonna butcher this but you can't deconstruct like there's nothing that you can't deconstruct except for the indestructive love mm. like and i was like oh that kind of gave me hope even on this journey of like, okay so like the more that i'm unpacking various aspects of my life at the bottom of it is love which is god yeah yeah which that's exactly it that's exactly it so uh so one of the other things he said that I feel like is is a is a relevant uh segue here from what you just said is this whole thing about how you don't need to go away on retreat, you don't need to go to another <laughs> conference, you don't need another spiritual experience because you can uh lean into the presence and the reality of cosmic love right here right now. Yeah. And that's totally true. Except when it isn't. <laughs> Like, just like pragmatically speaking, yeah. sometimes you do need to go on that retreat, <laughs> which I'm sure you would agree with. Like, like you know, it's like sometimes yeah. in terms of bandwidth, I've got to get out of Dodge mm-hmm. in order to get back to what I know is true and, and, and reappropriate it. Oh, yeah. And then I can bring it back. Right. Like, yeah. like sometimes you need, uh, you need a, personal trainer mm-hmm. at the gym you need yeah. to get out of your house where you've got all the free weights that you could be using anytime but you know you're not and you've got your own body you've got all the resistance exercises you could be doing but you're not and yeah. so sometimes forcing yourself to the gym and paying somebody to kick your butt helps like it removes some of that i don't know overhead Mm -hmm. i called my therapist the other day and i was like i've been using all the tools i'm doing really great but right now i don't have the bandwidth to walk myself through what i'm dealing with so i need you sir to walk me through it i know the tools i know i could do this myself if i had more resources and capacity but i don't Mm -hmm. and he's like great that's what we're here for Mm -hmm. And $125 later, we are feeling way better about my life. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Yes. Well, when you were talking about the gym, I was like, that was where my mind went to therapy. I'm like, not that I think we critically need therapists and psychologists in our life, but there are often times where I'm like, I could sit here and do the work and journal it out myself, but I, I don't even have the energy to start with where the questions are. Um. So this is what I, what I found interesting, because you're right. I love how we talked about you're not needing the retreat, but sometimes we do. We do need to, you know, pay the trainer, pay the therapist. 
I think sometimes for me, I need the exercise class. Like there's something as an extrovert needing the corporate community, but I do feel like we're in this really pivotal moment in the world of the church where especially coming out of COVID, I'm so tired of talking about COVID, but especially coming out of it, um, it, we've either gone one of two ways. We've realized, well, we don't need the church and we don't need God. And there was nothing it was changing in my life or two. Like I thought the presence lived in the building, but really the presence, like I, I get to carry spirit with me every day. And so I thought it was just interesting because I was going to ask him, like, how does this play out in your pastoral ministry? And I was like, oh, but your church is actually closing, which felt really profound to me because I don't know the whole story there. And I'm sure COVID played a part of that. But I'm like, it also means that you, I'm assuming, have done a great job of imparting to individuals their own spiritual practices. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah, I, I don't know. I, but I, it's a big leap. yeah, I mean, to, to that point, I was so blessed. Um, and like, again, agitated and blessed in an agitated, uh, you know, provocative way by his, his, lack of need yeah. to, to convince his people of these things and, and the fact that they didn't care about any of the books he read. I'm just like, oh, you're describing my life, except you're an Enneagram five who doesn't care anyway. And I really care. <laughs> and it, yeah. you know, he, this whole thing of detachment of like mm-hmm. not needing the people, like offering them everything, loving them, Yes. But not needing them. Yes. Uh, which we do, cl- I think, clearly see modeled in li- in Jesus's life. He lays it all out, but he does not chase a single person down the street. No. And I have chased a lot. And and as soon as I hear anybody talk about, like, uh, detachment, I'm like, get out of my soul. Because <laughs> I know I need it. Mm-hmm. But it. But it calls my value into question. Because part of the reason I love people is to prove myself as necessary in their life so they can never leave me. Ugh, the worst. It all comes back to value and identity. Like at the bottom of this, you're right. I, 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 I wrote it down where he talked about Jesus never chased anyone. And what stuck out to me was Jesus never closed his heart to anyone. Because that's the <laughs> other side. I'm like, oh, okay. So I'm going to try and love you well, but this is not going well. And. I just, I need to protect myself. And so yeah, all of so, my walls and stone walling, you know, go hilariously, out. What does an Enneagram two look like when they're trying to ask and put boundaries in place? Uh, when we try this stuff out and we're really bad at it, we look like an unhealthy eight. Which <laughs> like, uh, I'm burning you all down. Here are my walls and I will pour oil on you from the top of my tower. Like, and that's it. And I've done this. I'm like, yeah, I'm just, I'm just having boundaries. Actually, you're just being an asshole and you don't yeah. know how to like, not. <laughs> oh, that actually like, yeah, that explains a lot of me trying to figure out boundaries. It's messy for us. Yeah. So I like this really stuck out to me. So like just gut level honest, I have a four and a six year old. One of them is a lot like me. And so I struggle with that because they represent all of my insecurities and, you know, (laughs) it's, it's lovely. And so anyways, mornings are rough. One morning this week was particularly rough. And I like allowed this child to go to school and I didn't like properly say goodbye. 
And I was like, I have now, I am trying to close my heart to a child, but this is me trying to figure out like little try is freaking out. She's triggered. She has so much going on. She's like curled up in a corner and like adult try is like, okay, so you have to protect yourself now, but how do you like, so anyways, I find this with parenting as just a mind fudge because I like, yeah, I have no words, Jonathan, because this is where I struggle. Yeah. It's real. Yeah. Um, yeah. Thanks for sharing that. It's real. It is real. Um, you know, ten- tendential, but, but really helpful in all of this. I, I had uh, my friend Lisa call on delay on the show. Her book is really, really good in this space. Like if you're listening to this and you're like, okay, so basically these guys uh, are riffing on mystical contemplation and the impacts of trauma. Mm. That's exactly what Lisa's book is. Uh, What's it called now? The Wild Land Within, I think. Break this down. Okay. The Wild Land Within. And so here's a woman who Mm. has grown up um, Hispanic, kind of white presenting, but um, but has has a rich cultural heritage that is uh, oh, where's she from? I don't remember, and I'm going to say it wrong. She's Puerto Rican, perhaps. Forgive me, Lisa. And um, and so she's written this, and she's done all this contemplative work, and and read mm-hmm. all the contemplative masters, like we're who we're talking about here, Merton, and and many many others, mm-hmm. and and Rumi, and is and has ended up at this space that like for her own self realized how provocative all of this was into her pain and trauma. Mm. And very few of those masters, because they're often writing up to the sixties and seventies and and then centuries and millennia before had none of the trauma tools and awareness and brain and body and body keeps the score that we do have now. And so she's drawn all this together and basically been like, here's how to dive into contemplation and then here's how to deal with all the horrible things you find there. And here's how to not like drive your car off a cliff because you all you wanted to do is get closer to God in the silence and stillness. And what you found, found there was like darkness and mm-hmm. pain and fear. So she's done that really well. And uh, it from the ground up, it's cross-cultural, intersectional. Mm-hmm. She's like, if I can, if I can quote a, a, a womanist theologian on this, I won't quote the regular white guys love it done the work so well like it's it's a brilliant brilliant book um the wild lands the wild land within or the wild lands within lisa colon delay i will have to order it tonight that sounds like what my heart needs it's good you dig it okay as would many of you (laughs) friends thanks for thanks for being here for another b-side trefina thank you for your thoughts Thank you for having me on, sharing where you're at. This is good. Mm-hmm. Friends, I hope it's been good for you. Grace and peace. Uh, lean into the silence. Lean into the contemplation. Be honest that you live in this cosmos. Mm-hmm. Uh, because it's only here in this cosmos that you will find hope and peace and joy. Uh, because as I told our church on Sunday, there is this Savior who was born into a human body and grew up and had friends, made friends, experienced betrayal, 
uh, felt what it was like to be abandoned and even, even died. And so every single part of the human experience, Jesus scooped up in his arms to bring them to his father to redeem them all. So the whole thing yeah. gets to somehow be a part of the journey to make all things new. Mm-hmm. So may you find, friends, hope and peace and new life springing up even and especially here. Yeah. Thanks for listening, friends. This has been a podcast B-side. Check your podcast app or jonathanpuddle.com for new main episodes, which are numbered and usually have interviews with guests. And then check a week or two later for a B-side with me and Trifina and maybe some other friends. And if you want to support the show, you can become a patron at patreon.com slash jonathanpuddle.